Dads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Hello, Junior Scholars. My name is Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to preserve the knowledge in the classics before it is lost forever and inspire children and families to a love of good reading and a lasting interest in Western literature, history, and scholarship. If this is your first time listening, thank you for being here. And a very special thank you to my loyal junior scholars who listen each and every week. Last week, we enjoyed a most beloved tale, the story of the three bears. Go back and give it a listen if you missed last week. Today's story is called Puss in Boots. This is the second story we are diving into, recorded by Charles Perrault. Can you remember the other story we read by Perrault? It was... Little Red Riding Hood. Now, Perrault is not the first person to record or author Puss in Boots. The story has origins in Italy with at least two versions in the 15 and 1600s. In the late 17th century, Mr. Charles Perrault of France authored a version and popularized the tale. Now, lost and found words. Listen carefully and try and spot these words during the story. Our first word is a miller. A miller is a person who operates a mill, a machine used to grind grain to make flour. This is one of the oldest jobs of mankind. Second, we have a warren, specifically a rabbit warren. This is an area of land used to raise rabbits for meat and fur. Next, we have a marquee. A marquee is a nobleman of high birth. Then we have game. This type of game is an animal hunted for game or sport. Then we have secure. Secure means help during hard times. And lastly, repose. Repose means being relaxed, calm, and at rest. Now, on to the show. We all have minds and the ability to think reason, and make decisions. How you decide to use your mind is up to you. You can choose to use it for good or for evil. The main character in today's story is a cat called Puss in Boots because he is known to wear boots. He is quite smart and quick-witted, and he wants to help his master. Let's listen to the story and then decide whether he uses his mind for good or for evil. Puss in Boots by Charles Perrault A miller, dying, divided all his property between his three children. This was very easy, as he had nothing to leave but his mill, his ass, and his cat, so he made no will and called in no lawyer. The eldest son had the mill, the second the ass, and the youngest nothing but the cat. 
the young fellow was quite downcast at so poor a lot. My brothers, by putting their property together, may gain an honest living, but there is nothing left me except to die of hunger, unless, indeed, if I were to kill my cat and eat him and make a muff of his skin, the cat, who heard all this, sat up on his four paws and looking at him with grave and wise air said, Master, I think you had better not kill me. I shall be much more useful to you alive. How so? You have but to give me a sack and a pair of boots, such as gentlemen wear when they go shooting, and you will find you are not so ill off as you suppose. Now, though the young man did not much depend upon the cat's words, still he thought it rather surprising that a cat should speak at all. And he had before now seen him play a great many cunning tricks in catching rats and mice so that it seemed advisable to trust him a little further, especially as, poor young fellow, he had nobody else to trust. When the cat got his boots, he drew them on with a grand air, and slinging his sack over his shoulder, and drawing the cords of it round his neck, he marched bravely to a rabbit warren hard by, with which he was well acquainted. Then, putting some bran and lettuces into his bag and stretching himself out beside it as if he were dead, he waited till some fine, fat young rabbit, ignorant of the wickedness and deceit of the world, should peep into the sack to eat the food that was inside. This happened very shortly, for there are plenty of foolish young rabbits in every warren, and when one of them, who really was a splendid fat fellow, put his head inside, Master Puss drew the cords immediately and took him and killed him without mercy. Then, very proud of his prey, he marched direct to the palace and begged to speak with the king. He was told to ascend to the apartment of his majesty, where, making a long bow, he said, Sire, here is a magnificent rabbit, killed in the warren, which belongs to my lord, the Marquis of Carabas and which he told me to offer humbly to your majesty. Tell your master I accept his present, and I am very much obliged to him, replied the king politely. Another time, Puss went out and hid himself and his sack in a wheat field, and there caught two splendid fat partridges in the same manner as he had done the rabbit. When he presented them to the king with a similar message as before, his majesty was so pleased that he ordered the cat to be taken down into the kitchen and given something to eat and drink, where, while enjoying himself, the faithful animal did not cease to talk in the most cunning way of the large preserves and abundant game which belonged to his lord, the Marquis of Carabas. One day, hearing that the king was intending to take a drive along the riverside with his daughter, the most beautiful princess in the world, Puss said to his master, Sir, if you would only follow my advice, your fortune is made. Be it so, said the miller's son, who was growing disconsolate and cared very little for what he said. Say your say, cat. It is but little. You have only to go and bathe in the river at a place, which I shall show you, and leave all the rest to me. Only remember that you are no longer yourself 
but my lord, the Marquis of Carabas. Just so. It's all the same to me. But he did as the cat told him. While he was bathing, the king and all the court passed by and were startled to hear loud cries of, Help! Help! My lord, the Marquis of Carabas is drowning! The king put his head out of the carriage and saw nobody but the cat, who had at different times brought him so many presents of game. However, he ordered his guards to fly quickly to the secure of my lord, the Marquis of Carabas. While they were pulling the unfortunate Marquis out of the water, the cat came up, bowing to the side of the king's carriage, and told a long and pitiful story about some thieves who, while his master was bathing, had come and carried away all his clothes so that it would be impossible for him to appear before his majesty and the illustrious princess. We will soon remedy that, answered the king kindly and immediately ordered one of the first officers of the household to ride back to the palace with all the speed and bring thence a supply of fine clothes for the young gentleman, who kept out of sight until they arrived. Then, being handsome and well-made, his new clothes became him so well that he looked as if he had been a marquis all his days, and advanced with an air of respectful ease to offer his thanks to his majesty. The king received him courteously, and the princess admired him very much. Indeed, so charming did he appear to her, that she hinted to her father to invite him into the carriage with them which, you may be sure, the young man did not refuse. The cat, delighted at the success of his scheme, went away as fast as he could, and ran so swiftly that he kept a long way ahead of the royal carriage. He went on and on, till he came to some peasants who were mowing in a meadow. Good people, the king is coming past here. And if you do not say the field that you are mowing belongs to my lord the Marquis of Carabas? you shall all be chopped as small as mincemeat. So, when the king drove by and asked whose meadow it was, where there was such a splendid crop of hay, the mowers all answered, trembling, that it belonged to my lord, the Marquis of Carabas. You have very fine land, Marquis, said his majesty to the miller's son who bowed and answered that. It was not a bad meadow, take it altogether. Then the cat came to a wheat field, where the reapers were reaping with all their might. He bounced in upon them. The king is coming past today, and if you do not tell him that this wheat belongs to my lord, the Marquis of Carabas, I will have everyone chopped as small as mincemeat. The reapers, very much alarmed, did as they were bid, and the king congratulated the Marquis upon possessing such beautiful fields laden with such abundant harvest. They drove on, the cat always running before and saying the same thing to everybody he met, that they were to declare the whole country belonged to his master, so that even the king was astonished at the vast estate of my lord, the Marquis of Carabas. But now the cat arrived at a great castle where dwelt an ogre, to whom belonged all the land through which the royal carriage had been driving. This ogre was a cruel tyrant, and his tenants and servants were terribly afraid of him. 
which accounted for their being so ready to say whatever they were told to say by the cat, who had taken pains to inform himself all about the ogre. So putting on the boldest face he could assume, Puss marched up to the castle with his boots on and asked to see the owner of it, saying that he was on his travels, but did not wish to pass so near the castle of such a noble gentleman without paying his respects to him. When the ogre heard this message, he went to the door, received the cat as civilly as an ogre can, and begged him to walk in and repose himself. Thank you, sir. But first I hope you will satisfy a traveler's curiosity. I have heard in far countries of your many remarkable qualities, and especially how you have the power to change yourself into any sort of beast you choose. A lion, for example. Or an elephant. That is quite true. And lest you should doubt it, I will immediately become a lion. He did so, and the cat was so frightened that he sprang up to the roof of the castle and hid himself in the gutter. A proceeding rather inconvenient on account of his boots, which were not exactly fitted to walk with on tiles. At length, Perceiving that the ogre had resumed his original form, he came down again, and owned that he had been very much frightened. But, sir, it may be easy enough for such a big gentleman as you to change himself into a large animal. I do not suppose you could become a small one, a rat, or mouse, for instance. I have heard that you can. Still, for my part, I consider it quite impossible. Impossible? You shall see. And immediately the cat saw the ogre no longer, but a little mouse running along the floor. So there was an end to the ogre. By this time, the king had arrived opposite the castle and had a strong wish to go into it. The cat, hearing the noise of the carriage wheels, ran forward in a great hurry, and standing at the gate, said in a loud voice, Welcome, sire, to the castle of my lord, the Marquis of Carabas. What? Does this castle also belong to you? Truly, Marquis, you have kept your secret well up to the last minute. I have never seen anything finer than this courtyard and these battlements. Let us go in, if you please. The Marquis, without speaking, offered his hand to the princess to help her to descend and standing aside that the king might enter first, followed his majesty to the great hall, where a magnificent dinner was laid out, and where, without more delays, they all sat down to feast. Before the banquet was over, the king, charmed with the good qualities of the Marquis of Carabas, said, bowing across the table, at which the princess and the miller's son were talking very confidentially together, it rests with you, Marquis, whether you will marry my daughter. I shall only be too happy, said the Marquis, and the princess's cast-down eyes declared the same. So they were married the very next day, and took possession of the ogre's castle, and of everything that had belonged to him. As for the cat, he became at once a great lord, and had never more any more need to run after mice except for his own diversion. The End
So, what do you think? Did Puss in Boots use his mind and intelligence for good or for evil? When I was thinking about the lesson for today's story, I couldn't think of anything good that happened in the story. The main character, the cat, is not a very good person. Let's review his behavior. First, he tricked the king and lied to him to make him believe his master was a marquis or nobleman. Then he spread fear to all the common workers to make them lie to the king and tell him the marquis owned all the land when he didn't. Then he tricked the ogre, who really did rule the land, and took his castle away from him. So basically, the cat lied, tricked, and manipulated people to get what he wanted. In one of our first episodes, Thumbling, go back and listen if you haven't, we learned that being quick-witted and smart will help you in life. The cat in today's story was certainly smart, but he used his smarts to lie and trick people. That is someone you can never trust and would not be a good friend. The lesson is this, junior scholars. Use your smarts to do good in the world, not trick people into getting what you want. I am Sir Bradley Hassey. Until next time, be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to the junior classics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.